and give God praise. Come on, let's give him praise. Come on, raise your voices. God, we love you, Jesus. We bless you, God. We worship you, Father. What an awesome God you are, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Glory belongs to you, God. Honor belongs to you. Praise belongs to you. Worship belongs to you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you for your amazing love, God. We give you praise, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you, CLF. Wonderful to be with you. Amen. Uh, Thank God for your life, your ministry, and you impact me because your pastor impacts me. And I feel like our churches are related, although we're like cousins that don't see each other often. But I do see Pastor Joe, and uh, we do talk on the phone quite a bit, and he does speak into my life, and we speak into each other's. And, uh, you know, I think I might have said to you, but for many years, I think God told me that we would be planting churches. But I, when I was 48, I kept saying when I turned 50. But I was saying that since I was 45, 46. When I turned 50, then we'll plant some churches. And I sat with Pastor Joe. We was in a Chinese in Greenwich. And I was telling him my plan that when I turned 50, we'll plant our first church. And he said, why? So I said, well, you know, 50 is the number of jubilee, the year of release, you know. And he said, why? <laughs> he said, what are you waiting for? And like, you know, you know Pastor Joe, that's him, right? He said, what are you waiting for? And, uh, you know, after we had that conversation, I thought, let's do it. And so we planted, uh, I think it was a few months uh, after that conversation, uh, we planted our first church in, uh, in Sydenham, um, South London. And then that same year, we planted the second church. And just in that short space of time, we went from one church to five churches. But that was because Pastor Joe dared to ask me, why? <laughs> what are you waiting for, you know? And I turned 50 last year. By that time, we already had five churches. So I could have been waiting until I turned 50. But thank God for his life and thank you for his inspiration. And thank God for Bishop Noel McLean and getting to know you and your ministry and everything, your wonderful wife, Sharon. Amen. And everyone in Jesus' name. I'm going to preach to you because I realize that you've just eaten. And so I'm going to preach you up. Amen. <laughs> Try and get your attention. Praise God. So we... we um, so, like I said, we have a church in Forest Gate, which is our main church, Sydenham, Furrican, um, Grays, and then we also have a church in Wolverhampton, and one in Birmingham. We're looking to plant one over in Harrow, North London, and we're just going to be planting and planting and planting and planting and planting and planting and planting, because the object is to see people saved, amen? We do have our conference coming up, and there's some flyers. They'll be in the foyer. You're welcome, but there is a meeting for you guys here at Greenwich on the same day, so sorry, you can't make it. Amen. But if you're not of the Greenwich congregation, you're more than welcome. Come and join us over in Forest Gate. Amen. So I want to read one passage of scripture from Judges chapter 7, verse 18. I'm I'm just going to borrow that phrase out of it. I'm not preaching from this particular 
um, chapter, verse, or, or stuff, but I just want to borrow the phrase and then we'll go somewhere with that. Amen? So once I've read that, I'm going to ask Dexter, who's come along with me, to come and just pray um, God's blessing and thank God for this young man. He's been with me since the age of, is it 12 or 11? Since the age of 11. He's now 30 years old. He's a great man of God. Uh, God is raising him up and he's looking for a wife as well. All right, just for a friend. Uh, so, so. <laughs> just saying, if you're a woman, you have to follow the man, all right? So you come to the ark, all right? Just uh, <laughs> Judges chapter 7, verse 18. It says, when I blow a trumpet, I and all that are with me, then blow ye the trumpets also on every side of all the camp and say, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Amen. Everyone say, the sword of the Lord, sword of the Lord. And, of and of Gideon. Amen. Just ask your neighbor next to you. If you don't know the person's name next to you, just, just ask them their name because you need to do something right now. Just say, the sword of the Lord, sword of the Lord. and of and call their name. Do you want to come and pray, Dex? Afternoon, church. If you can kindly just bow your heads as I pray. Father, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to come before you to hear your words. Father, I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, that as Pastor P speaks, that these seeds fall upon good soil. And Father, that we receive your word. Father, may it fall upon good soil. I pray right now, Father, for everyone to focus their minds on the word that's coming. For I feel that the word that's coming will be prophetic. And it will hit you fast like a two-edged sword. I also feel that there will be a lot of conviction as Pastor P is preaching. I encourage you, if you feel conviction, to hone in on it. It's just God tugging you and pulling you in. Father, I pray Lord, that you bless Pastor Peter with the tongue of a ready writer as he as he preaches today. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thank Amen. You. Praise God. The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. You know, the Bible instructs us in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, in that whole passage where Paul uh, tells us to take the whole armor of God. One of the things it tells us to take, it says, and take unto you the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Amen. Take unto you the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And we can see through scriptures that the sword in the Bible is always a type of God's word. We know from Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 that the Bible says that the word of God is alive and it's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even to the dividing asunder of the soul, the spirit, and, it's, and the joints and the marrow. And, the, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The word of God is alive and it is powerful. And that's why I believe in preaching the word of God. Because it's living. Jesus says, the words that I speak, 
They are spirit and they are life. In fact, Paul prayed and said to the church, pray for me that the word that I speak would have free course, that it would travel and hit its target every time because the words that goes forth from my mouth, the Bible says it will not return void, but it will accomplish that which it goes forth to do. So touch your name and say, the word is powerful. The word is so powerful that it doesn't matter who the person is, no matter what situation they're in, no matter what lifestyle they're living in, if we preach the word of God, then the power is in the word. It's not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but the power is in the word. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. So sometimes people think in terms of evangelism and soul winning, it's about how eloquent you speak and, and how you phrase things or, or whether you've got a nice little systematic way to do it. But actually, the power is in God's word. Because when you speak God's word, then it's like a sword. And the Bible says that in uh, what we read in uh, Hebrews, it says that's, that word can discern even the thoughts and even the intents of the heart. So even what people are thinking about doing, the word discerns it. So when you begin to speak the word in an evangelism sense or in a preaching sense, even in a preaching sense, as you preach God's word, it can discern what someone is intending to do that week. And that's why sometimes when you're preaching, people say, man, you were preaching directly at me. What you said was for me. Why? Because the word can discern even the thoughts of what people are thinking and even what people are considering about. That's why when Jesus met the woman at the well and he began to speak to her and says, go and call your husband. And, and then he engaged her thoughts and he engaged what was going on in her heart. So the word of God is powerful. And if we are going to be soul winners, if we're going to really evangelize, and if we are going to make an impact on changing lives and transforming people, it's going to take the word of God to do so. Amen. I know, I know we want to learn in our modern day all of the different uh, styles and technologies and all of those stuff, but it's going to take the good old-fashioned word of God. Everything else will change. Trends will change. All kinds of winds will blow for the church. People will try all kinds of gimmicks, but you know what? We'll have to go back to the ancient word of God and the preaching of the word of God because God chose the foolishness of preaching to save. He chose preaching. Touch your neighbor and say, he chose preaching. He says, how can they hear except we preach to them? And how can they preach except they be sent? So it takes the word. Revelations 1.16 in the description of Jesus, it says, and he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. Amen. The word of God, the word in our mouth is like a sword. Amen. And we te it tells you in the e Hebrews what this word does, how it, it's sharp and it's alive and it's powerful and it discerns and it reaches even the joints and it reaches even the marrow. Everyone say the joints, the marrow. You know the passage in Ezekiel, this kind of reminds me of this in Ezekiel where God takes Ezekiel out and shows him a valley full of dry bones. 
And there was just bones, dry bones, been there a long time, scattered everywhere. And God asks Ezekiel, can these dry bones live? And God says, Ezekiel says, you know God. And then God's answer to Ezekiel is, listen, I want you to prophesy. I want you to speak what I tell you, my word. I want you to speak my word to these dry bones. And the Bible says the word of God is quick, powerful, and it can get into the joints and into the marrow. So when we're preaching, when Ezekiel opened his mouth and the word of God came from his mouth, amen, it can get into the joints, into the marrows. It can reach into the hearts, into the minds, into the situations, into the circumstances, into every issue that people are facing. The answer is in the word of God. People need the word of God. And the devil knows where the power lies. He knows the power is in God's word. So I want to take you on a little journey. If you come with me to 1 Samuel chapter 13. 1 Samuel chapter 13. I, for the last three weeks, the Lord has been just, had me here looking at this passage and, and really just confirmed that I need to just speak from this. So 1 Samuel chapter 13 in verse 19. 1 Samuel 13 from 19. It says, Now there was no blacksmith to be found throughout all the land of Israel. There was no blacksmith to be found throughout all the land of Israel. For the Philistines said, Lest the Hebrews make them swords or spears. It says, But all the Israelites would go down to the Philistines to sharpen every man their plowshare, his mattock, his axe, and his sickle. And the charge for the sharpening of the pim for the plowshares and the mattocks and the forks and the axes and the set points of the goad. So it came about that on the day of battle that there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people who were with Saul and Jonathan. But they were found with Saul and Jonathan only, his son. And the garrison of the Philistines went out to Mishmash. So I just want to say from that verse 9, the Bible says that the Philistines, in verse 19, it says there was no blacksmith found throughout all the land of Israel for the Philistines said lest the Hebrews make swords or spears I really feel like the Lord what the Lord wanted to say to us is one of the tactics the battle strategies if you read this of the the Philistines is how do we take the swords from the hands of the people how do we how do we ensure that the people don't have any swords. I think he's still using the same strategy. I don't think the devil minds too much people just going to church and having a great time and of celebration and worship. But what he does want to do is to make sure that you don't have a sword in your hand. It's to make sure you're not armed with the word of God. It's that the people of God don't have the word because he knows where the power lies. The power is in the word of God. And we're actually talking about impacting through evangelism. I'm going to make a connect here because 
If the devil can take the sword out of the hands of the people, then we become effect, ineffective on the street. We become ineffective in the marketplace. We become ineffective in our schools, colleges, or wherever we are going to be. So the devil doesn't want there to be a sword. So what he does, he takes away the smiths. He takes the blacksmiths. Now, Nebuchadnezzar done the very same thing in uh, 2 Kings chapter 24, verse 14. Not only did he take the choice men like your Daniels and, and your smart wise men, but he also, the Bible says, he took the, the blacksmiths out of the land of Israel. Because he knows if he leaves the smiths, then they're going to make themselves swords. And if they have swords, then they become dangerous. I believe the devil has the same kind of a tactic. Let's remove the people that will make swords, that will sharpen the swords. Because he knows my people are destroyed through lack of knowledge. It's in the word. Touch your neighbor and say, it's in the word. The enemy also, the Bible says in this verse, that the Israelites would go down to Philistine and that's where they would sharpen their axes. That's where they would sharpen their plowshares. That's where they would sharpen their golds and their sickles. So in other words, the Philistines put a strategy in place where they made the Israelites rely upon them. So the Israelites had to go down to them and had to look to them to get shot, to sharpen their objects. And I feel sometimes that the people of God are thinking that the world can sharpen them. That the Philistines can sharpen them. And that they can be built up in the things of the world. But let me tell you, it's a strategy of the devil. Amen. And sometimes he will just use a little bit of God's stuff in the world stuff. And mix it a little bit. And make you, make you kind of believe that you're being sharpened. Where actually he's blunting your sword. And your ability to communicate. Your ability to win souls. So the button, and it also says, what's interesting in this verse, and I found this quite interesting, is it says the only persons in the whole land of Israel, Bishop, that had swords were Saul and Jonathan. Can you imagine that? The only people in the whole land of Israel that had a sword in their hand was Saul and Jonathan, leadership. And isn't that kind of what the devil did in the dark ages? That where you had churches where the congregation was completely ignorant of the word of God. And the only people that were learned were the priests that could read this Latin or could read the Bible. And, and the people were dependent on the priests learning and the priests knowing the word of God. And I, I just feel like in our days, maybe it's not the similar kind of thing. But I, I believe we, we need to move away from where we're just looking to the man of God to know the word of God and the woman of God to know the word of God where we've got to realize I need to know the word for myself and the people on the pew need to know the word of God. It's not enough for Saul and Jonathan. It's not enough for the pastor. It's not enough for the minister, for the elders. It's not enough for the, the preachers to have the word, to have a sword. Every person sitting on our pews needs to be equipped with the word of God if the church is going to be effective. Someone hear what I'm saying here? 
I'm not talking about if we want to have a big auditorium with a lot of people because it's quite easy to draw a crowd when you have a gifted individual that can speak the word eloquently and lots of people come and listen to that preacher preach and then go home and wait for the next week. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when the people on the pew have a sword in their hand that they go back to work with on Monday, they go to college with on Tuesday, they go into the supermarket and they are equipped with swords. And it's not dependent on the pastor having the word, the preacher having the word, the bishop or our favorite preacher having the word. I believe every believer has to be equipped with a sword in their hand, with a double-edged sword and be skillful with that sword. Someone say praise God. Have you ever thought about, if you kind of think about uh, 1 Samuel 17 when, when David faced Goliath, Saul did give David his armor. He gave him his sword and he gave him his armor. And David said, this doesn't fit. I've tried it. I don't like it. Uh, But then when David went out and faced Goliath, the Bible says he took five smooth stones. And you know the story. I'm not going to, you know the story of David smiting the Philistines. So verse 50 and 51 of 1 Samuel 17 says, So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But watch this. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Have you ever considered that one of the reasons why those guys were hiding from Goliath was because they didn't have no swords? What we've just read In chapter 13, there was no sword in Israel. And so when David smites um, the Philistine with the stone, the Bible says there was no sword in his hand. Therefore, verse 51, David ran and stood upon the Philistine. He took his sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, then they fled. I'm telling you, we need to get a sword in our hands. Yes, I know David stunned the Philistine. But the the stone simply stunned him. It didn't finish him off. The only thing that's really going to finish off the enemy, that's going to break and cut off the power and the authority of the enemy, is when we use skillfully a sword. When we skillfully use the word of God, I believe it's the only thing that's going to work in our day, guys. It's what worked for the apostles. It's the word that works every time. Amen? So, coming back to this, you know, Jesus said uh, in Luke 22, 35 to 38, he says, and he said unto them, when I sent you without purse and script and shoes, did you lack anything? And they said, no, we didn't lack anything. Then he said unto them, but now he that have a purse, let him take it. And likewise, if you have a script and he that have no sword, let him sell his garments and buy one. He that have no sword, let him sell his garments and buy one. And I was reading this and thinking, what's God saying there? He's saying, guys, because I find today people will be very cheap concerning the purchase of spiritual truth. And the Bible says, buy the truth and sell it not. 
But I find that sometimes people are, will be very cheap, you know, to, to, in their pursuit of knowledge and growing in the word of God. But they will think nothing of buying trainers for 120, 150. Amen. They'll think nothing of buying suits for hundreds. They will spend money. I'm talking to the men. I ain't even got to the women yet. You know, they'll think nothing of spending money on clothes and on garments. And what Jesus is saying, if, you've got, if you ain't got a sword, sell your garments and get yourself a sword. Amen. In other words, in order for you to get a sword, you're going to have to pay a price, guys. It's going to cost us to have a sword in our hands. For me to be, uh, have an impact in ministry, for me to have an impact in what I do, I've got to have a sword and the Bible says you've got to pay a price. And verse 38 said, and they said, to Lord, here are two swords. And Jesus said, it's enough. We've got enough. So we need a sword in order to do spiritual exploits and to have an impact. Now we read in uh, Judges 7:18 that Gideon, God used Gideon. And Gideon says, when we go in, blow the trumpet. I want you to say the sword of the Lord and of Gideon, and I want everyone to scream that, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Now, when you know the story that Gideon actually was a coward when God found him. He was fresh in wheat in a wine press to hide it from the Philistines. He was cowering away. And when God came to him and called him, you mighty man of valley, he's like, who, me? God says, yes, you. He says, good and me. God says, then it's who? It's like, it's you. And then he began to ask God and there's an exchange between God and himself. And then he began to ask God, where are all the miracles that we've read about? Where is the power of God that I've heard about? And God turned to him and said, I want you to go in this thy might and you are going to win the victory. And that story encourages me because it tells me that God can take up ordinary people that may even have the spirit of fear at times. And God can use you mightily, even whilst you are a coward, if you like. You know, because sometimes we're waiting until we say, you know, I've got enough courage and we're waiting until we think we're bold enough. But right in the midst of your greatest fear, that's where God can use you the most. You know, the first time I got saved and I decided I'm going to go evangelism, because uh, our church... Then when I got saved, there was a lot of older people. I got saved at 18, on fire. And I'm like, there was no evangelism. Ooh. So I decided I'm going to go out on the streets and do some evangelism. And so I, I picked up my tracks. I picked up my, uh, my like, PA and I went to Roman Road Market, which I notoriously used to terrorize in a day. And I set myself in the middle of the market and the stallholders looked at me. And they say, come on then, let's hear ya. What you got to say? Come on then, let's hear ya. And admittedly, I'm telling you, they, they put fear in me. And I packed up my little tracks, packed up my box and I went home. And I was so feeling so guilty about it. I went in my prayer closet and I prayed and I asked God to forgive me. And I said, God, give me boldness. I'm going back next week following week I went back to the same spot 
put down my box, had my tracks. And then they started, come on then, let's hear you. Oh, who told them to say that? I started to preach. And I started to declare the word of God. And then after a time, they're like, shut up. Let me tell you, that was my first introduction to preaching. That was my first sermon ever. I, and that's where I started to preach, on the streets, the best place to, to start. And thank God, a, a woman that was in the crowd was listening intently. And that Saturday afternoon, I led a woman to Jesus Christ. And that gave me confidence and boldness. The sword of the Lord and Peter Nembart. I was thinking about just uh, the sword of the Lord and Gideon and I was thinking about a lady in our church whose name is Jess. Jess, is, uh, she's, she was a, um, a Sikh believer, worshipped the gurus, etc. And she was ill. And her uh, sister was very concerned about her health. So her sister um, called up the Salvation Army in um, Elephant Castle and asked, is there anybody there that they know that can come and do exorcists on her sister. The guy that I started the ark with happened to be working on the reception and answered the phone and said, I know someone that can come. So she called me up and she said, will you come? Uh, he called me up and says, can we go and pray for this lady? She's, she's very ill. Uh, her sister's concerned. They want us to do uh, exorcism on her. So we went round to the um, house that evening and uh, we prayed and we prayed and we prayed for Jess. And God, over a time, miraculously healed her. And she got saved. Now, let me tell you, the, the story of this woman, because she's one of our pastors in our church in Grace. But her story is so amazing. From that one act of going to that house and praying for her healing to bring her to the Lord and her getting saved, baptized in the Holy Spirit, she now, her whole family was Sikhs, all of them. She had something like 10 brothers and how many sisters, in-laws, etc. Her dad uh, had a turban, the mum was a Sikh, everyone was a Sikh. But this one girl, Jess, and she's probably about that height, but she's a powerhouse. The Jamaicans would say she's little, but she's Talawa. She's a powerhouse. She's a powerhouse. This one Jess began to lead all of her family. I believe all of her sister-in-laws, first of all, all of them, we've baptized all of them. She led all of her brothers, all eight, ten of her brothers got baptized in water in the name of Jesus. We baptized her Sikh father in his bath in the name of Jesus. Baptized her mother, all of her cousins. She's led, I would believe, over a hundred people from Sikh background to Jesus Christ. The sword of the Lord. And of Jess, wherever I've seen her work over the past 20 years that I've known her, wherever she goes in, she leads them to Jesus Christ. She's a powerhouse, amen. The sword of the Lord and Jess core. When God puts a sword into your hands, amen, doesn't matter how short you are, it doesn't matter how illiterate you are, when God wants to use you, he will use you so long as you have a heart to win souls for the kingdom of God. Someone say hallelujah right here. The sword of the Lord and of Jess. The sword of the Lord. I just want to share this of Rona and Loretta. These were two 16-year-olds that got saved around 2010. 
Rona actually was about um, very young at the time. And then they went off into Leighton Sixth Form College. But we were teaching them the word of God. We, were, we, we had taken the Alpha Course and we had Pentecostalized it and put a spirit in it. And we were teaching these young people the word of God. And so the young people, these, these two particular girls, got the fire and the Holy Spirit and went back to Leighton Sixth Form. When they got back to Leighton Sixth Form, they began to preach. During their lunch break, they would gather crowds around them and they would begin to preach the word of God. And, and then people that would be healed in the college, and um, in, I think this is now 2010. 2010, our church, we baptized, I think that year, about 130-something people. 90-something of them were young people out of Leighton Sixth Form and Hertfordshire University because two girls took a sword into the college. You know, the college called me up and said, we don't, we're not sure what you're doing with these young people, but you, you need to talk to them. I said, what's wrong? They said, they're coming into the church and, and, the, and the young people, they, they, they're acting funny like, uh, like the Holy Spirit or whatever they were describing. I'm, go Jesus, go Jesus. Yeah. A lot of those young people that got, back, that got saved during that, time they're grown now they're 24 they're 25 they've grown up and they're walking with God they're loving Jesus and as I said they they simply allowed themselves to be vessels that God could use in a sixth form now I'm one of them I don't necessarily believe evangelism is only in fact I don't even believe evangelism is just a Saturday morning thing I can't stand when people put evangelism into a Saturday morning standing on a street corner because I think that we, 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 we miss a trick because let me tell you, every day, if you're traveling on the train, you're surrounded by people. If you go into a supermarket, you're surrounded by people. If you're on the bus, you've got people at work, at college, and all it takes is for you and I to learn to use the sword of the Lord, to learn how to engage people and just talk to people about practical things. Because sometimes people think they have to get deep. You know, the man that was uh, born, that got healed of his blindness, when they said, is he the son of God? Come on, tell us, is he the son of God? The man turned to them and says, listen, I don't know whether he's the son of God or not. All I know is that I was blind and now I see. I may not be able to explain all of the theology. I may not be able to give you the Greek and the Hebrew, but I can tell you my story that I was in prison and he saved me. I was on drugs and he raised me. I can tell you, and you can't argue with my story. You can't. So you can engage. Jesus talked to the woman at the well about water. And he took that natural conversation about water and he turned it into a spiritual conversation about spiritual water. And that's how we're going to equip. This is what I'm saying to our people. We're soul winners wherever we go. Amen. I said we're soul winners. The sword of the Lord and Rona. The sword of the Lord and Loretta. The sword of the Lord and the Billy Graham. He was no different from you and I, guys. He was a gifted man. God gave him a special gift. But he focused and honed his gift. Imagine that, 250 million people preaching in your lifestyle. Lifetime, 70 years of ministry, of concentration, ministry to the lost. And I heard a prophecy recently, 
and I kind of think this prophecy is real, that when Billy Graham went up, a mantle fell, but it's not falling on one person, it's falling on the body of Christ. I believe we're going to break out into real evangelism in the next 10 years. I believe God, there's a mantle that's fallen upon us and God's put a sword in your hands and he's saying, go and use this sword and bring souls into the kingdom of God. Listen guys, uh, it's been 30 years of save. I can't tell you on my hands how many people I've brought to the Lord. But I just love talking to people wherever I go. I still love talking to people. As the other day I went into the laundrette. Sometimes I just like to do this just to engage and get where people are. So I took some clothes into the laundrette to dry. And I noticed that the woman in the laundrette wasn't looking too well. So I said, are you okay? She said, I'm not feeling well. So I said, I pray for you. She said, thank you. I said, right, right now, I'll pray for you right now. So she, she, I began, I prayed for her. When I finished praying, she says, oh, you are a prayer. I said, yeah, I'm a prayer. She says, well, can you pray for my fiance? Um, he, he left me 18 months ago and he's never, I've not seen him since. He's not talked to me. And this woman has come and she's took him, took me out of his mind. And, you know, and she was basically saying, can you break it? He's, she's done some kind of curse over her fiance. Can you pray? I said, I'll pray. I was a little skeptical, but I prayed. And so I, I prayed with her and she sent me some texts. I gave her my number. She sent me a text of his picture, etc. And she said, she, I said, oh, I, I passed at a church up the road. She says, she said, I'm a Muslim. I'm a Muslim. I said, I, I'm just telling you where I passed it. She said, she, but then she said, she said something like, I can't phrase her word, but she said something like, I would go to the mosque and pray, but it's long. And complicated, she said. Basically, Allah, Muhammad, ain't going to answer. But she said, and this is her word, she said, but your God can do something. Now remember, she said 18, 18 months, she hasn't seen the man or heard from him. I went back in the following week, which is this week. I went back in there. I said, how are you doing? She's big smile on her face. I spoke to him for the first time. Your God, your God, your God. Your God, your God. So for me, that's opened opportunities. It's gone up. <laughs> it's, it's opened up. Okay. It's, 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 it's opened up opportunity for me to now engage her with Jesus Christ. Amen. It's opened up opportunity for me to have conversations with her about the Savior of the world. Hallelujah. Can you imagine that we have, guys, the good news? We have the good news. I was telling our church last week, you know those four lepers that's in Kings that were sitting at the gates of Samaria? And when they went in, they said, why sit we here to die? Let's go into amongst the Syrians and they may save us life. If they kill us, they kill us. We've got nothing to lose. And so they went into the camp of the Syrians and they found the, the whole town, the whole village just left. And the Bible says that there was clothes, there was jewelry, there was gold. And they're picking up, they're eating chicken and eating rice and peas, eating turkey. And, and they're scoffing their face and they're taking up gold and, and stuff and they're hiding it. And they're taking up garments, they're trying on Amani suits and all kinds of stuff. And then finally they said to themselves, we're not doing too well. They said, we're not doing well. 
They said, this is a day of good news and we are keeping it to ourselves and we are keeping silence. And said, if we keep silent, something terrible might happen. Come on, let's go back and tell the king's household. Has somebody got some good news in this place today? The good news that you've been saved. You've been born again. Guys, some of you may know my story and some of you may not. But at 16, 17, I went into prison. Before I went into prison, me and my friends were in our room and we were smoking the green stuff. And we were having a discussion about whether we believed in God, whether we believed in aliens and ghosts, etc. And I was the only one in the room that said... I don't believe in God. I believe that there was Jesus, an historical figure. And all my friends, you know, we were all like, you know, buzzing on stuff. And because you talk spiritual. And, and my friends were like, my friends were like, you can't say that. How can you say that? But I think God was listening to that conversation. Because it was a week later that I ended up in prison. Now, when I got in prison, uh, David used the prison chaplain would come round to the cell to talk to Adam, my flatmate, my cell flatmate, cellmate <laughs> that I knew from road. And so I would be on the top bunk and I would be antagonizing David, like just asking stupid questions. So what colors God then? And, and why is all the evil in the world? And, all, and, and, and he, never, he never argued with me. And think, listen guys, I wanted him to argue with me. I was, I was picking a fight, but he wouldn't give me a fight. I was wanting him to disrespect me and kind of play like he knows it all. Then I was like, he thinks he knows it all, you know what I mean? But he just stayed quiet and just looked at me with those loving eyes. And he did this week after week. After about the second week, I came down off the bunk and I began to listen and I began to engage. And then I began to go out to watch films and read books and listen to conversations about Jesus. After about a month, I called him one morning. I said, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus Christ. I'm ready to get saved. I'm ready to get born again. And he walked with me through that time that I was in Rochester prison. Amen. And God rescued my life. Listen, it doesn't matter what situations people are in. What God is needing is someone with a sword in their hand. Someone that is committed to the winning of souls for Jesus Christ. Because that's the reason why we're here, guys. That's the only reason why the church still exists. As far as I'm concerned, God, you could have just saved me and then raptured me. The only reason why you're still here and the only reason why I am still here is to bring people into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And so we've got to learn how to use a sword. We've got to learn how to use the word of God and use that powerful word that can cut the heart, that can search the heart. I think I told you this when I came there last time. I was, Evangel, I'm going to done right now. Um, I went to, I met this girl in a shop and I said, I want to come around and do a Bible study with you. And she said, yeah, you can come. And so I went round to the house, knocked on the door, and um, there was no answer. But you know when you're knocking on the door, but you know someone's in the house. You know what I'm talking about. You can hear noises in the house. And so, so I kept knocking. They ain't answering the door. And so I'm feeling really gutted because that's rejection, isn't it? 
someone invite you to come and then you get there, they don't want to open the door. So I left and went down the stairs really dejected and feeling like I've wasted my time, etc. And the Holy Spirit said, don't go. He said, Hi, just wait around the corner. So I got downstairs and I went around the corner. I didn't know why I was like waiting around the corner, but the Holy Spirit said, stay around the corner. So I waited around the corner. I was that around there for about 10 minutes, just standing there. And then after about 10 minutes, I saw the, the front door open. And they came out on the balcony and looked left and right. And I jumped out, hey! Should have seen their faces. <laughs> so I invited myself back up. <laughs> and they reluctantly invited me in. And I sat down and I taught them that night, that, that Bible study. She gave her heart to the Lord. Her sister got saved at the back of that. Her, her sister's husband got saved at the back of that. Her brother got saved at the back of that. And that particular girl had been raped well, let me say, molested, raped, yeah, by her own father and had a child for her own father. And they weren't talking for many, for years from that thing happened. When she got saved, she was really messed up emotionally. But God brought her through healing to the point where she felt comfortable enough after about three years that she wanted to forgive her father. So I remember going with her and sitting with her and her father and having this conversation. Off the back of that happened, that reconciliation, he got saved. His wife got saved. And then from that, just me hanging around the corner. I mean, it's at least 20 people got saved because I hid around the corner. <laughs> and I waited to teach the word of God. And the word of God done the job. And the word of God brought the healing. And the word of God brought the deliverance. Amen. The, devil, the devil's plan, guys, is to take the sword out of the pew. He wants the believers in the pew to feel like they're not, the, the, the man of God is armed and I'm just here to come to listen. But that's not what the church is about. The whole point of Ephesians uh, 4 verse 11, those gift ministries of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastors, teachers, is to equip the saints for the saints to do the work of ministry. But we've kind of made the whole focus about the verse 11, where the focus is on verse 12. The saints equipped with a sword that we can do ministry, that we can win souls, that we can reach people. And I really believe CLF. I really believe this year. I believe this year and the years to come. Amen. I believe that there are hundreds of people that are just waiting for you to come with the good news of Jesus Christ. With the good news of Jesus Christ to bring the gospel wherever you go into the hearts of people because the gospel still works. The sword of the Lord and of Noel McLean. The sword of the Lord and of Joseph Buedu. Look at your neighbor and say the sword of the Lord and call their name. Come and look around you. Look around and say the sword of the Lord. And of. Take unto you the sword of the Spirit. 
which is the word of God. Please stand with me right now. Take unto you the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Take unto you the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Take unto you the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Every believer has to take that sword. The world is counting on us having that sword in our hands. Thank you, Lord. Just lift your hands to heaven right now. Thank you, God. You're restoring the smiths into the church. Those that will sharpen swords, that will shape swords, that will turn metal into swords, God, in the name of Jesus. Thank you that the smiths are restored to the house, God. And thank you, God, that every believer here is going to have a sword in his hand. Thank you, you're going to have a powerful church of soul winners, God. Powerful church of evangelists, God. Powerful church of people leading hundreds, leading thousands. Lord, leading tens, leading people into the liberating power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Come on, lift your voice right now. Open heaven in the name of Jesus. Oh, in a minute, I'm going to call you out. I'm going to call you out, but come on, lift your voice right now. Lift your hands right now. God, sharpen, sharpen my sword. Sharpen. Hey, God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, Rabba Sikatarababa Shatalamando, Rabba. Hidarabo Soto. God, make me a soul winner. God, make me an evangelist. God, help me to reach people with the liberating gospel. Put a sword in my mouth, oh God, that when I open my mouth, your word will not return void, but it will accomplish everything it's supposed to do in the name of Jesus. Sharpen, sharpen my sword, oh God. Come on, take, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Take the word, take the word. I'm equipped with the sword, sword of the spirit, sword of the spirit. Shatababoko satala bahaya, shandalabo satala mahaya, italabo satala makatala mahai. Oh rabasanda, iradarabo sata, shatalaboko talabasi kalamanda laboya, elabasetele moroto, uchele lalabori esinda la mahaya. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to make a call in a minute because what I've realized over the years, guys, I've seen over the years that we've got our churches full of people, but 90-something percent of people have never led one person to God since they've been saved. But I believe that God today is going to hear a prayer from your heart. If you are desirous, and this is, this is really probably my one prayer every day, I pray for other things, but this is my main prayer. God, today, let me meet somebody. God, today, let me connect with somebody. God, today, let me talk to somebody. Give me an opportunity, God. 
And if you're here today and you say, I want to be used by God. I want to bring souls to God. I want to, even if it's one soul this year, I want you to use me mightily, God. I want to have an impact in the era of evangelism. Just rush from where you are and come out right now. And let's begin to cry out right now. Begin to cry out, God, make me a soul winner. Make me a soul winner, God. Make me a soul winner, God. Come on, God. Put a sword in my hand, God. Put a sword in my hand, God. Put a sword in my hand, God. Come on, come on, come on. Put a sword in my hand, God. God, make me a soul winner. Make me, make me a soul winner, God. God, let my life be useful, Father. God, wherever I am, let me be light, let me be salt. God, let me be useful. God, let me not lose my flavor. Lord, tapa shata maraka sanda. Oh, raba sanda raba. Robo satalaba. Ramba shandalaba. Raba satalamaha. I release the spirit of evangelism. I release the spirit of soul winning. I release the spirit of compassion. I release the spirit of wisdom. I release the zeal of the Lord right now. I release the zeal. Zeal. Flow upon the people of God. God, we cry out, God. Lord, 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 we cry out, God. Make us soul winners. God, put a sword in our hands. Put a sword in our mouth and make us useful. God, populate the kingdom in the name of Jesus. Break forth, God. Let there be impact in the era of evangelism. Let there be impact in the era of community. Let there be impact in breaking hearts, oh God. God, give us results. Come on, receive the fire right now. Receive the fire right now. Receive the fire right now. God, receive fire. Receive fire. God, make my brother. Fulham. God, release fire, wisdom in the name of Jesus. Power, glory in the name of Jesus. Father, just let it be wisdom, God. God, wisdom. Lead people, God, in the name of Jesus. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We bless you. We bless you, God. Yeah. Oh, God. In his spirit, out of out of his belly flow rivers of living waters. In the name of Jesus, fill him with wisdom and fire right now. In his innermost being, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Can I just ask you, just ask you, can you just pray for the person next to you? Just release on them. Pray for the person next to you. Just pray for them to be a soul winner. Pray for them to lead someone to Jesus. Pray for each other. Come on, right now. Just pray. Cabo Shata. Rima Sete. Ramba Sikola Mohonda. Ocho Tobo Sandiribo Shende. Ininimandiribo Koto. Iradarabo Se Ramanda. God.
this time. God, may there be a mantle that falls on the whole of the populous God of CNF, God, from the top to the bottom, Father. God, in the name of Jesus, let us receive new converts, Lord, new people, God, fresh people, God, who have no idea about Bible, church, or anything, coming into, Father, these houses, these safe places, God. And as they teach, as Joe teaches in the team, God, putting swords into their hands, that they will go forth, Lord, into their communities. Whole new oikoses come into, whole new oikoses come into, Sila. Bless your God. Bless him, Father, in the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. 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 Yes,